Paul Garns here, executive producer on Queen Sugar. And believe it or not, we're here to talk about episode 713, the last episode. And I can't imagine another person to do that with, but the person who literally was the anchor actor on the show started us off and finished us up, Mr. Glenn Terman. Hey, Paul. How are you? I'm good. You know, um, one thing that I think is important to start with, um, you know, you came on season one, episode one, Mm -hmm. um, took a seven-year hiatus, (laughs) um, and then came to the last season looking exactly like you did the first season. Oh, you're a shameless flatterer, but don't stop. Go ahead. (laughs) Um, But it wasn't a far stretch for you to play a black farmer. No, are you kidding? That was something that was like you you were super comfortable with that. Tell us why. Well, because for the same reason I want you to give me that tractor so I can take it back to my ranch. That, that tractor is going to show up at your ranch. You don't have to worry about that. You, you don't seem to understand, man. Obviously, you have a career that spans decades. When Ava first mentioned who was going to play Ernest, you know, the, the patriarch of the family, it didn't seem like there could be anybody else who could play that role. You just seem like such a shoe in for it based on, obviously, your acting talent, but just thematically, it just seemed to match who you were. Well, it, it was a strong connection right away. As soon as I read it, I said, oh, well, yeah, I, I know this guy. Yeah. You know. And I come from a, a, a lineage of farmers, ranchers, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, of course, I grew up actually in New York City, so I'm a city boy, but I, I call myself a city slicker, but I'm a country boy at heart. Mm-hmm. You know, my father's uh, people are from Georgia and uh, landowners in Georgia. Mm-hmm. My granddaddy was a farmer uh, and um, had mules and horses. And uh, But I didn't know them. I didn't grow up knowing that side of my family. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up uh, knowing more of my mother's side of the family mm-hmm. in the city but always had an affinity for the, the country. Went to summer camp, uh, went to spend a lot of time in Central Park riding and shoveling stalls uh, mm-hmm. uh, so that I'd get an opportunity to ride some of the horses in Central Park, you know, as a, as a youngster. Mm-hmm. And she, no, no one knew where this affinity for that lifestyle came from. And I certainly didn't. When I moved to California and was, uh, had a certain amount of success, in the business and was able to buy land. Mm-hmm. I did uh, uh, in my late 20s. Yeah. And um, then my father, who I got to know in those 20s, called one day, and my aunt, who was living on the ranch with me, said, she said, well, he's, he's, he asked for me. She said, well, he's, he's out on the tractor plowing. And my father... <laughs> who hated where he grew up, farming and all of that, said, he's doing what? <laughs> What's he know about that? You know, I moved from Georgia. Uh, so he wouldn't have so, to do that. Wouldn't so, he have to know so he wouldn't have that. to know anything about wow. that. Would so it skipped a generation, and it landed on me. Wow. Well, I know in those early images of Ernest walking the land, mm-hmm. wearing the cowboy hat, mm-hmm. you know, just really connected to this history of what ultimately we were trying to portray in the show was this generational family mm-hmm. that, you know, through slavery was connected to this land in a way that it was almost connected to their identity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even though outside influences were always trying to separate them from this lineage, they fought 
to try to keep it together. No. And one of the themes, I think, early on in the show, mm-hmm. much as you were talking about even with your father talking about, you know, later with Farming for You, was the images of black men, generational black men on the show. Mm-hmm. You know, in that first episode where Ernest is in the hospital and, and Ralph Angel and Blue are there. Right. Uh, and it's such a, a touching scene. It's one of the, I, I think Ava still kind of counts it as one of the one of the most emotional scenes she's ever directed. Yeah, it was powerful. It was very powerful. I mean, I remember the, you know, t- tell me just from your standpoint as an actor what that experience was. Well, it was wonderful to see the three generations mm-hmm. of black men, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, to a certain degree, sometimes it's true that we don't, even in my case, you know, uh, father being in your life mm-hmm. uh, or not being in your life, mm-hmm. uh, scarce in your life. Um, but in this case, the men were present, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, there for the generation to come, you know. So that meant a lot, uh, and was saying a lot, just even without words, mm-hmm. just in in, in the visual in the images, yeah, yeah, in the images of the, that meant a lot, you know. And it carries on. I've got a picture. I'm a great grandfather now. Okay. I started young. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, I started. I was going to say, no, I, there's no way. I no, mean, okay. I, I started young. Okay, so. <laughs> but, but I'm a great grandfather. Okay. Uh, many times over. And I have pictures of me teaching my young sons and daughter, how to ride mm-hmm. on that first piece of land that I told you that mm-hmm. I bought when I was a young mm-hmm. man. Pictures of me and giving them instructions. Then I have pictures of me giving that same picture mm-hmm. instructions to their children. Wow. And then I have pictures, that same picture wow. With- of me giving instructions to their children's children wow. Wow. so that image has gone for three yeah. four generations yeah. you know, powerful which uh, uh, I'm, I'm proud to say is a visual that that um, uh, I think means a lot to our family yeah, absolutely you know, because it's it's hanging in one of the key spots in our house in our home but that's what that image was with the, at the hospital that yeah. day, you know those yeah. three young black people and, and, and the old timer, yeah. you know, making yeah. room. It breaks that stereotype, right? I mean, you know, even though many of our experiences lean into that stereotype, clearly, you know, for you moving forward, certainly for me and my family now, there are kind of uh, continuity mm-hmm. in the male influence in a family. Right. And particularly in Queen Sugar, which is, you know, really rooted around uh, these women, these, you know, the sisters oh, and, yeah. and, and Vi. Mm. But there's equally these black men, these images of black men with Ralph Angel and Blue, that relationship. Oh, yeah. Hollywood, Hollywood. Oh, yeah. uh, which, you know, uh, is, is kind of turned into an archetype of oh, what, yeah. what women want. They, they want a Hollywood in their life because well, of, of that. Of course, of course, of course. And, and I must say, 
we found out on Queen Sugar, Omar and I, that we are related. It's crazy. <laughs> that is wild. He's, he's your cousin. cousin. That's that cousin. so wild. From Georgia. Yeah. That Georgia connection. Yeah. You know, so. And you didn't know that before, no, right? Yeah, that's, that's, that's so wild to me. The, uh, we we joked that, that Omar knows everybody. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. is clearly related to everybody. Right. I think so. Uh, but that that is great. Um, yeah, he's a wonder. He does a wonderful job, and he's so strong in the, in the piece. You know, yeah. he's so solid. Yeah, you know that solid yeah. foundation of a man. Yeah, you know, which yeah. is a wonderful thing to bring out. You know? And it, and it, I, you know, for me, there always was like I had those uncles that were, mm-hmm. you know, even though my father wasn't there when yeah. I was young, yeah. there good. were these uncles that were the pillars of manhood that were kind of a moral compass of. That's who was there for yeah. me. It was my uncle, my yeah. uncle Jim. You yeah. know, he. he and and he actually was wasn't of blood. He married into mm-hmm. one of my mother's sisters, mm-hmm. but took on the responsibility that uh, had it not been for him, mm-hmm. you know, Lord knows where I would be now. <laughs> Truly, he gave me a great excuse. I was able to say to my buddies when it was time to go do the dirty deed, mm-hmm. "No man, <laughs> no matter what, you ain't whipping my ass as hard he will. as." <laughs> Yep. He will. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. He was a great deterrent. Yeah, and and, and kept me on track. You know, and uh, and we we had a wonderful time together. As a result of he came to the ranch. He oh, wow. when he retired and I built a, a place on the ranch for he and, and my auntie, and uh, we built quite a bit together. Wow. With this Sounds man. like quite a presence. Yeah, he was he was something. What was that pathway for you? Like what I, I can't imagine that there were a bunch of young black men thinking I'm going to be an actor. What was that path for you? It was uh, as a result of my mother's influence. Um, I grew up in born in Harlem. Mm-hmm. Um, but at an early age my mother moved she and I single mama from Harlem where we were with her other sisters, two, mm-hmm. two sisters, all of us in one tenement building in Harlem. Mm-hmm. Finally, she moved, she and I only, down to the West Village mm. in the 50s. Wow. And her, as a result of that move, her friends were people that were, we now know as iconic people, mm-hmm. but were then just struggling artists. You know, James Baldwin, mm-hmm. and Lorraine Hansberry, and Josh White, and Odetta, and mm-hmm. people like this. And it was because Lorraine Hansberry lived around the corner from us that she had written a little play called The Raisin in the Sun and told my mother that she'd written this little piece, mm-hmm. that there was a part for a little boy in it. <laughs> and would I like to try out for this part? And, and my mother relayed this information to me. And um, my immediate response was, well, I don't know I, if I have time to do it. I'm 12 years old. <laughs> 12, yeah. I've got a baseball game, you know, that Saturday. Mm-hmm. It's going to be on Saturday. I can't do it, Mom. I'm sorry. You know, so please tell Miss Hansberry thank you. Mm. Can't do it. I, I got to get So she said, well, you shut up, man. <laughs> and, you know, so it was, uh, I didn't know what an audition was. I had no idea that I was competing for this role with all these other kids. I figured the part was mine. I didn't know why these other kids were sitting in the hall waiting. You know, there was only one little boy, and that was me. Right. And so they could go home. Um, <laughs> I somehow, you know, impressed Lloyd Richards and Miss Hansberry and mm-hmm. and uh, Phil Rose, the wonderful Phil Rose as the producer. 
who took a chance on this black lady's play, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and um, got the role. And that's there I am in show business. So one of the things having, I guess, the hindsight of being in the business this long is to, I guess, really have an appreciation for the trends and the and the the ebbs and the flows, the way the industry changes. And um, I mean, one of the, for me, at least in, in the position I'm in, phenomenal moments uh, was the kind of connection with Ava and Oprah and Queen Sugar's ability to have some autonomy in how we set up the show, what stories we were going to tell, um, even down to the decision that Ava and Oprah discussed about only having women directors, mm-hmm. which was you know pretty controversial at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you think Queen Sugar fits into this? You know, kind of the history of of the business. Is there a a model that could be something to move forward with? Does it feel like it's just a natural progression of what we were already headed? Paul, I wish your viewers and listeners could be here where we are today and could have gotten the tour of the Array complex, Mm -hmm. the Array compound, the Array campus Mm -hmm. that I just got. Because that is the definition of autonomy. That is the definition of reaching a goal. Mm -hmm. This is the definition of what we were striving for. Mm -hmm. You're you're in-house. You got everything you need here. Mm You don't have to ask anyone to use their facility, to use their ball, you know. When you got your own ball, you play your own game. (laughs) That's true. That's true. That's one of those early playground rules, right? playground rule. That's the rule. That's it. That's true. So I'm so impressed and so happy and so fortunate to be a part of this um, um, experience, Mm -hmm. you know, to – because when I came, the, str- the struggle, like I said, Phil Rose, i bring his name up again. The struggle was to get for him to make a community of theater people see his vision mm-hmm. for this young black lady's piece. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Just to get it to Broadway. Well... That's been the battle. That yeah. was the battle. Yeah. And to come this far for this young lady, Miss Duvernay, to not only have her piece displayed wherever she wants it, mm-hmm. but to be in control of the, dis- of the display and how the piece is turned out and so forth and have the, the wherewithal to have all of the people around her that she deems qualified mm. in the positions that it takes to make a, a motion picture to make a product to make something come to fruition, so that we can no longer have uh, a, a complex tell us no. Well, we looked for a black director, or we looked for a black cinematographer, but we couldn't find one. It's just you know how long I've heard that story. Sure, you know, yeah. and that's you know. So so what do you do about that? Well, you do exactly what what you guys are doing, Paul. You know, you build a pool mm-hmm. of workers and you put them to work, you give them the experience, and you make a database for uh, that is an answer yeah. to that question, yeah. you know. And um, so, yeah, it, it, it's come a long way, and, you know, thank you. Oh, well, we appreciate it. Uh, you um, obviously have contributed so much to the business and um, 
what you represent as an actor playing black men throughout the the decades um it, it just again like i said felt so natural for you to be the earnest in this story um i know ava had talked to you over the years about coming back mm, at yeah, some point yeah. you know she had I think in her head had this idea that um earnest some way or another even though you know the character dies in the first episode of the first season yeah um, we were going to have a way for you to come back in this final season, which um, I thought was so clever um, to tie together, um, you know, the images of Ernest and what he wanted for his kids, the lineage of of each of the borderline kids and that farm and that connection to family and farm, uh, which is just so wonderful because that's so much of who you are as a person. Uh, it didn't seem like it would be a big stretch to understand those concepts. But, uh, again, uh, what was that like when, I guess, you finally got the call? Like, hey, it's time. We're going to do the last season of this show, and we need you back. Well, I, I felt like I felt like uh, <laughs> when I was a kid, <laughs> uh, I wanted to play football. Mm-hmm. But I've never been way more than, than a buck. 40, you know, <laughs> soaking wet. <laughs> so I was benched a lot. <laughs> and so I always found myself saying, send me in, coach. Send me in. <laughs> send me in, coach. Well, for five years I've been saying that, Ava, send me in, coach. <laughs> send me in. <laughs> and finally I get the call and she says, Get your helmet. Where you at? (laughs) So I stumbled all over myself. Couldn't get here fast enough to to be a part of this last episode because uh, it 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 was so right, Mm -hmm. you know, Uh, um, and it was such a um, a a telescopic understanding of Mm -hmm. where this character could be used, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. To see that far down the line for five years later, you know, we can yeah. use them here. Yeah. You know, I think anything else would have been premature. Yeah. Uh, and so hopefully it has the impact that, um, you know, we're, we're, we're looking for. We were at an event the other night and Ethan was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in this big scheme of things, as we've talked about Queen Sugar for the impact for all of us working on the show, I don't think it is as impactful to anyone more than Ethan because mm. he literally it's been his home memory right. you know he's he was up, six up, um, and right. doesn't he doesn't even it was funny we were talking about the scene where uh, Ernest is taken to the hospital after, at the birthday party yeah. uh, and he doesn't remember oh. shooting that sequence so you know oh. we were walking him through it he says no I know it happened but I don't mm. I don't remember you know mm. um, right. uh, but it was such an impact for him um the 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 character mm. uh, the position of the character within the family mm. um it, it whenever i'm talking to him or or even watching his reaction to talking about the show mm. uh it really lands on me kind of you know how the show resonates with people yeah um and earnest uh in the beginning of the series is kind of trying to um keep the family land, mm-hmm. you know, has just enough pride where he's not going to, you know, go to his kids and say, I need help. Mm-hmm. Um, had taken a separate job to help mm-hmm. pay the bills. Right. Wasn't actually getting the, the land planted um, because of politics and mm-hmm. money and age probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, as we come full circle on the show and, you know, we kind of see the spirit of Ernest in the series now. Um, and you, you know, 
see the parallel between Ralph Angel's journey mm-hmm. um, as a as a as a father, um, as you know, who has a complicated relationship with his wife, has mm-hmm. two kids um, that uh, turn out to have different parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, much how Ernest has a very complicated relationship with his kids right. due to that same thing. Exactly. Um, Ralph Angel has you know in this series lost a farm up until this final episode. Yeah. Um, and Ernest was right on the edge of losing the farm mm-hmm. um, when we when we met him in, in the beginning of, of the series. Mm-hmm. Um, in a um, wonderful, I guess, reversal, uh, the series ends with, uh, you know, uh, the farmers all coming together as a community, the family coming together as a community, mm-hmm. uh, and winning the farm back and hopefully leaving the series uh, in the audience's mind and heart uh, in a position where, you know, moving forward that there is a happy ending for our family. But mm-hmm. but there is an interesting idea of a cycle, right? I mean, when you look at the journey that we've shown on the show for seven years with Ralph Angel, um, the journey that we pick up the end of with Ernest, uh, we infer and talk about a lot through the series of his journey uh, and leading up to, uh, you know, the land as it handed uh, generation over generation over generation. Um, and, you know, in theory, you could imagine there's still going to be some turmoil on this land mm-hmm. um, in the future that, 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 you know, Blue and True are going to have some of the same battles that they're going to have to fight. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think we hope that it leaves the audience in a hopeful way, um, but paying tribute and um, uh, looking back to understand the plight and toil of our forefathers, mm-hmm. understand what our responsibilities are right now, and hopefully handing off something to our families in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just would love to hear your thoughts on, you know, that cycle of what we've shown throughout the series, uh, how it relates to all of us as a people, uh, and then maybe hopefully as the series kind of goes on in people's hearts, uh, what it what it should leave them with. I don't know. Our journey is so complex, man. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got, and this is a universal theme, and I think that's what's wonderful about it. Uh, what's important to us, my generation, is not the same things necessarily mm-hmm. that's important to our offspring. And this is, I think, worldwide as mm-hmm. far as tradition and custom is concerned and mm-hmm. acceptance and passing on uh, uh, such knowledge and who benefits and who uses it and who doesn't, who cares to think that that's passe. Uh, uh, like I said, it skipped a generation. My, with my family, my daddy didn't want it to have anything mm-hmm. to do with it. And, and uh, the same has happened in my household. My grandchildren, more cowboys than my children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they've gone on the road with me up and down the road to rodeos and so on and so forth more than my kids did. Wow. You know, their kids mm-hmm. have been on the road with me and ride and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Uh, I don't know why it's built like that. It seems to be a something in our DNA that Mm. makes that happen, I guess. Mm. But if you tell that story, the one thing you're guaranteed is 
that it's a universal story. Mm. And if you tell it from a truthful point of view, people will have more in common as they watch it mm -hmm. with other ethnicities, mm. with other races, mm -hmm. with other cultures across the, you know, across mm -hmm. the sea or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. We'll recognize, oh, well, that's Junior, right. you know. So, right. And that's the wonderful thing about what we are able to do in the business that we have chosen to be in, mm -hmm. you know, is to tell these stories, you mm -hmm. know, the griots. Mm -hmm. And um, whether it's accepted or or not is, is a whole another thing. But someone would have to make a conscious effort to not recognize mm -hmm. commonality mm -hmm. uh, uh, of their fellow man yeah. in these stories. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You um, leave the series at the end uh, kind of watching Ralph Angel and Blue and True mm -hmm. and Darla go back into this house, mm -hmm. um, which was, you know, kind of this family farmhouse. And then Ernest turns and kind of walks into the sugarcane fields. Yeah. Um, soul at peace spirit spirit at peace feeling like the things that he'd always wanted had been accomplished which i thought is a, a clever way to end the series because it kind of uh boots us back to the frame of mind Ernest was in uh and we have these vignettes of of him visiting each of the kids mm -hmm. and and understanding where they are and finding right. peace and in, in who they've become, become right. i uh often feel especially when we're shooting on the land there just as black filmmakers going back and making content that deals with our history and and us as a people mm -hmm. um you know being on that land you know that house was an old overseer's house mm -hmm. um one of the things we never showed when we're shooting there is the uh the remnants of the enslaved housing that still exists right, on that land right, we right. Avoided, avoided when that, we're yeah. filming mm -hmm. uh cuz we didn't feel the character Ernest would have that mm, on his land, land right? Mm. Uh, but it's there every day when we're shooting. Yeah, you know, we can see it. It's yeah, in your sure. peripheral yeah. as you pull up and park. As mm -hmm. you're ready to leave, it's there. It's always ever present. Sure. Um, and you know, they, they used to always have those T-shirts for a while that says, um, "You know, I'm you know my ancestors' wildest dream" or something like that. Mm. Uh, and I often felt that way being on that land. Just um, you know, at some point there were enslaved people of color that worked that land that probably never imagined us, you know, the, the, the wide range of rages, cultural backgrounds, beliefs, all of that in that one group, mm -hmm. uh, being there to do that one thing, to tell those stories. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, I really uh, appreciate the concept of the griot of, of that's our kind of responsibility is to tell those stories in, mm -hmm. in such a meaningful way. Absolutely. Well, again, when Ava and I were talking about the show uh, and then talking about the podcast, that there was really no other way to end the podcast, which ends the series without having you um, here to do that last episode. You contributed so much to the show just in the in the two episodes that you appeared. You set it up so that it could be successful, uh, and I feel like you you know came to help you know shut it down in a way that hopefully was rewarding for the audience. Certainly was rewarding for us, the filmmakers, and. Uh, Really appreciate it. I can't thank you guys enough for including me in the story. Uh, it's, you know, it's it's a perfect example of that old saying, There's no, there are no small parts, mm. you know. Mm -hmm. uh, this was um, not a lot of screen time, 
but a momentum impact. Yeah. A, a monumental impact, you know. Yeah. Uh, with the little time that this character was introduced. And the, the, the story uh, for all five seasons always referred to him. Yeah, Ernest was there every season. Yeah, you never, yeah, you never let your audience forget me or, yeah. or Ernest in that, in that case. So uh, it's been a wonderful, wonderful journey. And, you know, crazy about working with you guys. And I look forward to us doing some more together. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Thank you, Paul. All right.